This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Nation, welcome to episode 27 of Chicken Talk. My name is Ben Locke, and let me bring in my two co-hosts. First of all, the man who has well been my trusted lieutenant here on the Chicken Talk Express is also providing a second role in life to me as my trusted PA as he gets me from one podcast to the next. It's Mr. Logan Droslin. Good evening to you, Logan. Good evening, Ben. Are you doing all right tonight? Uh, we're doing all right. We've had we've had the first uh, British internet problems in about a year, but we're we're just about muscling through. So yeah, we're all good. Yeah, I've almost gotten so used to it, but uh, yeah, we have a lot on the itinerary for uh, me being your PA. So we've got a lot coming up. So uh, looking forward to getting into what we have tonight, at least. So. <laughs> Well, yes, yes, yes. We've got, we got we have got something good coming up tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, my second co-host is also a fellow resident here in the UK, and we have suffered a record heat spell over this past week. We got up to at least forty degrees Celsius. So, uh, hopefully, you Americans can do the maths at home. But he is approximately a month away from another spell of extreme heat and spontaneous combustion when his beloved Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway, Drew McIntyre, sorry, possibly wins a WWE title. It's Callum at Dougal. Good evening, Callum. Good evening, Ben. Um, there is no possibility about it. We will be there. Cardiff, Saturday the 3rd of September, Drew McIntyre will reign supreme again. And yes, I will be all hot and bothered when that happens. Um, apologies, Drew, if you're listening to this podcast. You can tell I've been watching a lot of your TNA 2016 run at this point. So, uh you know, if I start calling you the captain again, though, that's when that's when things really go south. All right. Oh, it's, it's all right, Ben. I mean, it was like it was a great time in my career. I, I kept that company for dying many a time. Yeah, you, you certainly did, Drew. You certainly did, Drew. Uh, but Drew, you didn't have the pick for tonight's show. It actually went to Logan. Uh, Logan, tell the good ladies and gentlemen what it is we are going to be talking about tonight. Well, as the resident apparent summer. Slam expert, uh, I got the pick again once again for August. Um, so I've kind of avoided this one because I really like this show. Uh, just from a nostalgic point of view, uh, we'll get into it as we go through it. Um, but I chose SummerSlam 95 because I would think that most people probably think this is either the worst SummerSlam or one of the worst SummerSlams. So, um, I don't know that I necessarily will agree with that by the end of the pod, but uh, we'll get into it uh, as we go. See, we've got we've got our Rumble experts. We've got we've got like a WrestleMania expert. You're like you're an in-house SummerSlam expert. We don't need anybody <laughs> else for SummerSlam shows because we've got you, quite frankly. Um, now, gentlemen, at this time, uh, you are both Logan, two years old. Callum, how old have you been at ninety-five? Would you? I would have been four. Four. Well. I was 14, I think, and God, I, 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 I don't recall watching this live. I, I have obviously seen it, but uh, 
Uh, I'll go to Callum first. When was the first time you watched this show, Cal? Um, in its entirety, front to back, this was the first time I've ever watched it. Obviously, I've oh, seen okay. bit, bits, and, bits and pieces of it. But uh, no, this is the first time I've ever watched the show back to front. Or front to and, back. <laughs> and Logan, like you say, it's one of your, it's one of your personal favourites. So uh, just explain to us what, how, how that got to that stage with you. You know, certain shows... You love for, for no particular good reason, I'm guessing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> um, well, I, we had this one on tape. If you go back and listen to a lot of the episodes that I've kind of picked and been uh, kind of nostalgic for, they're all in the new generation era. This is kind of when my brothers uh, were still into it. Uh, so they had a bunch of tapes, and I, I just watched a bunch of them growing up all the time, and this this was one of them. Um, I, I was obviously too... Uh, two two years and like twenty five days old when this pay per view happened, so um, I, I didn't see it live or anything like that. But we always had the tape, and I watched it a bunch of times just because it was there. And uh, you know, I've always been a Sean guy. I was pretty big Brett guy when I was little, so um, Sean's pretty heavily featured in, in a match that we will talk about. And Brett may not be in the, the best circumstance, but uh, he's pretty well uh, presented presented as well. So um, yeah. That's how we get here. <laughs> uh, carrying on, carrying on with the food motif on this show. So this show is basically comfort food for you. That's what that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Makes me right. feel good, sad. <laughs> with all that in mind, gentlemen, if we are ready, let us go to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is home, of course, to the greatest NFL team in the history of the world. <clears throat> Sorry, just had to get that out there. Oh shoot, behave. And also in the same building where three years from now, from this show, we will have the most famous and replayed moment in all of WWE history takes place. But as we have said, we're not talking tonight about the King of the Ring 998. We are talking instead all things SummerSlam 995. We have an intro video to hype up all the big matches for tonight's show. Uh, so that's the casket match, the main, the WWE timeline event, the Isaac Yankum Bret Hart match, and of course the Intercontinental Title ladder match. Hosts for tonight's show are Vince and the King, and we have Dean Douglas as well, critiquing even from his satellite classroom. Our opening contest of tonight's show features Hakushi versus the One Two Three Kid. Now, Callum, um, if you've listened, to, I don't know if you have listened to all the old shows before you jumped in, but. People who do listen to this show know that we have a little award that we sometimes give out for hidden gems. This match, I feel, is almost like the dictionary definition of a hidden gem. Oh, definitely. I mean, in, in amongst all the, 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 the dregs that you had in 95 WWF, it's amazing that they, they even considered putting this match on. It seems like it's a, it's a world away from what... I mean, you look at the main event and you look at of the main event and, and the previous few pay-per-views where they were persevering with Diesel against Sid. It's amazing that they could even contemplate putting on a match like this. Totally against the totally going against the grain of, of it's all big guys. Um one of the notes I made when I was watching is I, I imagine the WWF started imagine they, they, they were ahead of the game and started the cruiserweight division first. And you built it around the one, two, three kid and Hakushi, and even and even Candido, they could have 
they had all the talent there. I mean, this was this was. I thought this match was going to be was was going to be good. I, this was a perfect opener, uh, a perfect pay per view opener. Um, yeah, absolutely, hidden gem. I completely agree. What I what I would also say, Logan, is I think the biggest compliment you can give this match is you could put this. You know, you could put this out today. So in twenty, obviously in twenty twenty two, we're recording this, but this match could go out today on AEW and NXT, and you'd be like, "Yeah, this is bloody good." Oh yeah, this would be a killer in any time period. I, th- I mean, I, it might not have been huge in the eighties, I guess, but yeah, any time from this point forward, it would have been a killer way to start the show. Uh, I mean, both guys are so fast, so athletic, uh, and they're just so criminally underused in this. Uh, time period, kind of like Callum was saying, uh, this would have been the perfect time to maybe start like a light heavyweight division and base it around the three guys that Callum mentioned. That would have been a great idea. Um, but j- just just the athleticism that all, all they showed throughout the match. Uh, Hakushi does a backhand spring and it just looks effortless. He actually does it twice. He does it into the corner and then he does it over the top rope, which was even cooler. Um, Hakushi has a really stiff kicks that he had. Uh, he also pulls out a Vader bomb at one point. Um, at one point at the end of the match, the one, two, three kid kind of hits that little parachute splash that he does. And I always bite on that because I I mean, I know, obviously know who wins the match. Uh, but I feel I always feel like that might could be the end. Um, but I really love that the match is full of reversals, like the whole match. They're reversing each other back and forth, kind of missing each other's or missing moves on each other. Uh, but I love that it finishes with a reversal. So I think that that's like the perfect sequence to uh, make it uh, or to finish it with. Um, a couple of other things throughout the match. Before the match, they talk about uh, how Hakushi lost to Barry Horowitz on Action Zone uh, earlier that day. I love that they act like that happened earlier in the day and it wasn't taped like four <laughs> or five minutes ago. Um, and Vince also calls SummerSlam Summer Slime on commentary, and I thought that was pretty comical. Um, but yeah, this is a great, great opener, and I gave it three stars. Uh, I went slightly high. I went three and a quarter. What did you, what did you rate it, Callum? I, I went. I was right there as well. I went three stars as well. Excellent, excellent. Um, I also like going off Logan's point, and if you want to jump in, you can. Um, yes, there was there was a series of reverse, but you know, you know how today we're in this sort of finisher spam fest. At the end of my, there was none of that here. There was there was there was rever- there was good wrestling and reversals, but you know it was like that that little powerbomb move at the end came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I thought they, I thought the two guys played off each other really well. They were they were hitting their big moves. I've got a thingy. I've got a, a note here that it was quite funny to see Hakushi do the Bronco Buster on the one two three kid. I I made that same note. Mm-hmm. I got that note. Um, and yeah, everything was. I, I've got a note about the handspring moonsault over the over the rope to the outside was a thing of beauty. I thought they were just. I, I thought they played off each other really well. And yeah, what like you're saying that there was no real. There was no real build up to the finish. It was just a cotton bang. Down he went. One, two, three. Easy as you like. Not not a surprise a surprise finish, but it was yeah, I thought it was I thought it was really, really good in the terms of the match itself as well. Yes. Um also Logan mentioned the summer slime line, but Vince also had another great line at the end when he was doing the replay of the finish. Uh talking about the kid, he says he hit a high-risk move that paid off, but then again, it cost him. I mean, if that's not edging your back, Vince, I don't know what is. 
just I, I just love that I just love that that, that Vince is, is sitting there watching this, knowing he's obviously got the biggest erection thinking about what his main event is because it's just two big beefy guys slapping meat like like he <laughs> has always done it and always will do it and, and, and it's that's he's just his wet dream there and he's having to commentate and these two guys have an absolute banger and he must have hated every fucking second of it. And also, for Rory's benefit, there was two from then, from there, from Vince's, which I appreciated. <laughs> and there was a couple. There was a couple later in the night, and I really should have kept count. Where I, 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 I missed. I stopped counting after the first match, and that that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is a this is a really weird commentary night because I feel like some of it hits really well, and then some of it's just like, oh dear, Jesus. <laughs> we will we will get into that. We will get into that. Um, so after the match, Doc Hendricks is backstage. King Mabel and Doc is acting like an eight-year-old child wanting to know the final part of the royal plan but Mabel tells him he's gonna have to be a good little boy and wait his turn we then go to our second match in the ring which is the race car driver Bob Holly making versus making his pay-per-view debut tonight in the ring act is Mr. Hunter Hearst Holmesley or Triple H to some of you newer kids out there. Uh, Callum, I'll go to you first because if Scott Criscolo is like the grand high chief of the Triple H Society, you are a, you are a very willing lieutenant at this stage. <laughs> yes, I am. I don't think, I think he's, I will not shy away from the fact that he's got many flaws. Um, and I think we've, I think, you know, it doesn't take a it doesn't take a, a, a genius to work out that he's he's got some he's got some um, some some he's got a nasty streak in, shall we say, or sometimes a, a sort of a, a calculating streak in. He is a cerebral assassin after all, but I'm 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 not <clears throat> I'm not totally uh, um, I see more positives in, in, in the in the in the guy than, than most. Um, very strange though that my first thought was this guy will go into be a fourteen-time champion and he's having a meaningless match against a NASCAR driver on, on the second biggest show of the year. Um, I remember reading the I don't know if you guys have ever read the is it the, the Titan series or Titan Sinking? Yes, so I think Titan Sinking is about ninety-five and there was a, correct. There was, there was a thing where they're putting guys like Bob Holly on pay-per-views because they're feeling disgruntled. And I'm thinking there's a reason why people like Bob Holly's not on pay-per-views. It's because he's not very popular. And people don't <laughs> want... People aren't going to pay $30 or $40 to see Bob Holly. And you're putting him on summer's their second biggest show of the year to appease Bob Holly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 this, this was fine. I, I think it was... And, Harking back to what we were, what we spoke about last month on on, on the the um, the bash at the beach episode, this match could have been on challenge, yeah, or on or on action zone that morning as as Logan uh, that would have that would have popped Logan again um, if they had it on challenge that morning. Um, <laughs> the what the one the the one things I've got in the match was that it was pretty drab, but the turnbuckle shot. Um, the Triple H whipped Bob Holly at the turnbuckle once, um, and it sounded like a car crash, no pun intended. And um, there's no redeemable causes about Bob Holly eh, other than the drop kick, which is a very, which is a very nice drop kick. But yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a, a syndicated TV match at best. 
absolutely. And, and you've got to appease Bob Holly. When you've got hair that good and that multi and eighties plastic, you've got to appease a man like that. Well, I think I think you had that very haircut in nineteen ninety five, but I can see um, you with a with a with a curly, <laughs> with a curly buffon. I did not, but I will share this story about my hair in ninety five. I had I had like my I had the proper Elvis gel gel back slick hair at that point. Oh yes. And it added it added, it added practically another inch on top of my head. <laughs> there you go. That's appealing and terrifying. I'll I'll send a photo later in our chat. Please, for the Jesus. <laughs> there's there's yeah, a street boy, that. lads. <laughs> uh, what are you gonna what are you gonna rate it, Calum? Let me get the rating from you. What I, I, I went. Yeah, I went, I went one and a half on it because it wasn't terrible. It was inoffensive. Um, I just felt as a match, it was as a match, it was okay. It was perfectly acceptable. It's just not a pay per view quality match. Um, I mean, and also what I will say about Titan sinking is, uh, I might have took some of the story from that uh, from that book to share throughout the program. So uh, you know, oh, please, please. <laughs> yes, they might be coming up. Um, so Logan, like Callum says, um. This is a perfectly fine match, you know. If you, this is on Superstars and Challenge, you'd be you'd be quite happy. But even being second match on a pay per view, it's not exactly pay per view worthy. Yeah, it's definitely not. And before I get into the match, I'm going to ask you a question real quick. How could you mention the Mabel interview and not say "Big Daddy Fool" like he does in that <laughs> interview? <laughs> I'm just playing. Uh, but that, yeah, that's a, that's an all time line from uh, Mabel there. So I had to mention that before I get into it. Um, uh, at the beginning of the match, uh, they're, uh, they're both talking about how pretentious Triple H is at this point. Um, and King mentioned something like uh, uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley is somebody that would dr- that would eat uh, country fried quail and squab. So I always thought that was a and, and uh, Vince is like. What the heck is squab? And he's just, it's just, it's so funny. Uh, that was just a really good opening line on commentary. Um, uh, Logan, but, can I just quit? Can I just quit? And you know where you can get uh, quail and squab from? The kebab shop. Correct. <laughs> you can get anything little inside, little inside joke for everybody there. <laughs> I figured that was the answer, but um, anyways, uh, I think I think Helmsley had the pretentious blue blood character down pretty well, so he had the character uh, pretty well uh, worked out so far. He you know he was still working on the in ring stuff, but I think he had the character down for sure. Um, I don't know what the deal is, and Kyle kind of mentioned it, but the whips to the turnbuckles sounded particularly brutal on this show. I don't know if they were really tight or really loose or whatever, but I feel like throughout the night that was a big thing that I noticed in a lot of matches. Um, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, but Bob Holly has the best drop kick in the business. So uh, I think Kyle also kind of mentioned that a little bit. Um, but the pedigree at this point is so much more devastating looking than it is now uh, because he went directly down on his knees because he hadn't had all the knee problems yet. So I thought it looked a little bit more brutal than usually uh, or now. Um, but the match was clearly a showcase to kind of get Hunter over, and I think it did exactly that. So I went one and a half as well because I thought it was perfectly fine. Uh, it's nothing great, and it probably shouldn't have been on a pay per view, but it it didn't it didn't bring anything down for me. I'll, I guess I'll put it that way. <laughs> I, I I went one point seven five, and uh, on the drop kit front, um, I will say second best in the business, only to AJ Styles. Uh, don't know if Callum fancies breaking the tie or even mentioning somebody else. Um, both very good. Um, both very good options. I was always a big fan of Paul London's drop salt as well. 
Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Nice. Randy Orton has a really good drop kick too, so I'll, I'll throw oh. his name in there. Oh, this next next time we do a tournament around here on the wrestling <laughs> side side guys. Best drop <laughs> kick of the biz. I'm sure that could be arranged. Drop kick cast uh, coming soon. Yeah. And then yeah, Eric Alex Watts is just off- so smooth. I don't know, it's something about it. <laughs> and it's oh, Scott as Scott Keith always told us, Eric Watts' drop kick is the worst, and he's quite right to be fair. What about the what about the Coco missile drop kick that comes off they can come off the top rope? Drop kick the guy and land on his feet at the same time. Oh yes, yes, I'm a big oh, fan yeah, of that. That's that's a little rabbit hole I've took us down, and we might need to. Uh, <laughs> like 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 Logan said, that's maybe a podcast for another time. <laughs> yeah, drop kick cast. <laughs> so after the match, we then get a recap from Todd of a charity event that took place in Pittsburgh over the weekend called the War on the Water, which was a tug-of-war contest between the WWF superstars and the city's firemen. The WWF superstars at this point were basically the BSK or the BSK crew with Bam Bam Captain. Now, Callum, I'm I'm all for fair, you know, we're British, we're all for fairness and things, but if you're the firemen and you see on the other seaside at least one 400 pound man and at least one 500 pound man you know you're in for a long day and possibly a good soak yeah i, I did feel that they were they were quite mismatched i mean fair play to the wwf team if they're going to they like you, you 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 if it's within the rules fair enough pop mabel on there but yeah, I, I would be I would be crying foul if I rocked up. Bam Bam Bigelow's over there, Mabel's over there. Because at one point Mabel was just sitting down, and really doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's just that's just not fair. <laughs> um, but yes, I, I'd have been. I, I, I'd be with you. I'd be crying foul. It's just not tennis, goddammit. But Logan's like, it's what we talk about. We talk about a different sport now. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I feel like the WWE guys were kind of douchebags for uh, win, winning this. I think they should have let the good, nice firefighter guys uh, beat them up real quick and they take the dive. But I guess they just didn't want to get wet. <laughs> well, I, was going, I was going to say, who's going to rescue them? That's the problem. Good point. Good point. Our, our third match in the ring, uh, carrying on the theme of people who should not be on this show at all, is a tag team match between the Smoking Guns and Jacob and Eli Blue. Um, as well as the match Logan, which we'll get into detail with. Um, why, why are Owen Hart and Yokozuna nowhere near this show? As the that, is a, that is a good, good question. I, I guess they just, I guess they thought the guns were the best tag team that they had since the allied powers had kind of just broken up and they had gotten a previous title shot. I guess, I guess the guns were the only other team that they felt like they could throw up against them and they didn't feel like they were ready to redo that quite yet. Uh, so that's the only thing I could think of. So maybe get this to show off that the guns could be uh, beat up a team a little bit bigger than them. So maybe they could, you know, have a little bit better of an effort against uh, Owen and Yoko, like uh, unlike they did at WrestleMania 11. So that's the only thing I could think of. But uh, yeah, bad, bad oversight by the uh, company on that one. I mean, the only, the only thing you can think of is unless they had like the, the you know, every title on the line thing for the next show lined up, but they just didn't want to have Yoko and Owen on this one. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, as for the match itself, um, again, carrying on the theme from the last match, you know, 
perfectly fine for a syndicated show, but do you really want this on pay-per-view? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. This is definitely in, in tandem with the last match. It's perfectly fine. It's a power matchup, and it's just another match to kind of showcase a team uh, that they had a lot of trust and faith in, which was the Smoking Guns at this point. Uh, they thought of them as one of their tag top teams, and I think they were one of their top teams at this uh, juncture of the, of the company, which their uh, tag division is pretty barren, so... Um, but they, they're definitely a good team. They're kind of overlooked throughout history, I think, a little bit. But, um, yeah, uh, King talk, King and Vince talk more about which twin is which throughout the match than they do about anything that happens during the match. Uh, they also talk about the rodeo, the classic rodeo scholarship that the, uh, the guns had uh, in college. Uh, Billy hit a, uh early ver- version of the Famouser. I thought that was really random, uh, but a kind of a cool little thing to lay in there. Um, but like I said, it's just a power matchup to get over the guns. I think it's perfectly fine. Nothing was terribly botched. You know, it might be a little boring in spots, but I I went one and a half like I did in the last match because I think it's kind of comparable. Mm-hmm. Now, I can never remember about the guns. Is it is it Bart or Daddy Ass who has the radio scholarship or do they both have it? I think they both got one. I mean, that's just that's just a skill right there. I'll, you know, that's, that's, that's a pro that's a program I want to be involved in. You know, say, if, it's, say, if it's just one of them, it's definitely Bart, I think. But I think it's both of them. Okay, okay. Um, uh, Calvin, like like Logan says, this is uh, perfectly fine, perfectly acceptable. But I made the note that I felt that even at six minutes long, six minutes this was still too long. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I, this is where, and I think I, I said to you guys earlier on, I thought that accidentally, um, the, the the master tape had been accidentally taped over by an episode of Challenge at this point after the <laughs> last two after the last two matches. Um, you're not paying like there's nothing about like if you if you're sitting there and you're watching the pre-show and they're yeah. You, they're wanting you to put down your their, their $30 or, or however much. It would be free back in the day over here, um, I was going to say. But it, it, even free on Sky, Sky Sports 1 is probably a bit too much to pay for the smoking guns against the Blue Brothers. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is not one of the ones that are going to... They, they don't even highlight this. Um, so it's not... It's another one that's not pay-per-view quality. Um, I'd also had the note about the, the, the gun answer not looking as smooth as it did in, 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 in later years. There was also a strange Windows 95 reference from King. who's completely <laughs> shoehorned on at one point. Um, I've got a note uh, also about, um, can't tell which one, uh, which twin is which. Um, Jacob, I can tell, Jacob is the one with the SS tattoo and Eli is the one with the SS tattoo. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, this this wasn't good. Um, I, 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 in in the, my uh, research for the show, uh, I found um, a resource on that well-known uh, wrestling uh, website, imdb.com. Um, apparently, they were going to have uh, Owen and Yoko defend the, t- the, the tag titles against the Allied Powers. Um, but again, due to... Uh, Everyone being a bit pissed off. Um, Vince McMahon decided to boost morale by putting lesser use stars to uh, to a spot to make some pay per view money. 
um, the smoking guns in the Blue Brothers got in the match instead of Yoko and Owen and Yoko against the Allied Powers uh, on account of their solid efforts at recent house shows. But there's a reason why the smoking guns and the Blues Brothers don't make it on the pay-per-view. It's because people don't want to pay to see them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I wasn't as generous as looking on this one. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it as much. Um, I just went one star on this one. I'm, I'm with you. I went one star. And speaking of the British Bulldog, I should have mentioned that in the last match, they actually show him arriving in the building. Uh, they go to the half screen to show him arriving in the building. Um, and like we've already said, this is the week after his heel turn on the WWF champion. And in typical 1995 WWF, um, that is the only time we see him all evening, guys. So, you know, the, the big heel star uh, <laughs> is never shown again. Uh, well done, Vince. <laughs> well, I, I, according to that note on uh, well-known wrestling resource, uh, INDB.com, mm. it was oh, apparently... Yeah. it was. The outcome of the tag title match, had it happened, would have been Luger turning heel on Bulldog and joining Camp Ah. Now, that's a sliding doors moment. Can you imagine Lex Luger and Yoko and Owen as opposed to having the Bruce Bulldog? Well, of course. I mean, at this point, I think... At this point, I think Luger had had already said to Eric, let's go go to war. So... uh, you might have agreed to it, but what would have actually have happened? <laughs> um, I, I imagine your thing. Imagine your new big heel superstar turning up at the Mall of America with a puffy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that great hair. More great hair. Oh, outstanding hair. Beautiful hair. Beautiful, Why beautiful, beautiful. Um, we'll, 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 we'll talk more about Mr. Luger later on because he does make an appeal. So we'll, we'll get into it later on. Uh, but we'll go straight into our next match, which pits. Uh, skip of the Body Donners against Barry Horowitz. Um, so this match basically happened because uh, Barry Horowitz was enhancement challenge at this point, or slash jobber, so basically always lost all the time. To, to you new kids who don't know what jobbers are, that's what they were. Um, until an episode of Action Zone, which was a mid-90s uh, phenomenon of a show with Todd Pettingill uh, doing hilarious commentary on throughout, so uh, I encourage you all to go out and listen to it. Um, and on this match, it was Barry Horowitz versus Skip. And uh, Skip took things rather too easily and ended up getting pinned by Mr. Horowitz. Um, I'll go to Callum first. Um, this match showed Mr. Uh, Chris Candido's great points. I think we mentioned him in the first match. But this match showed him up to be the uh, great wrestler that he is. And uh, Barry wasn't exactly far behind him. I thought, I thought Barry held up his end of the bargain very well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was... I, th- I thought it was... I, I I can't um, disagree with you. I mean, uh, Horowitz was. Um, you, you would expect, or you would like to think, Horowitz Horowitz would be pretty good because his job is to to to, to make other guys look good, and you've got to be pretty handy um, to 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 do that. Candido is just excellent, um, and it's again. I've just I've, one of my notes is you yeah, add him, add Candido to your your hypothetical nineteen ninety five cruiserweight division. Um, not as Skip, but as Chris Candido. Uh, reiterating that point. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. the, 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 the crowd was surprisingly behind Barry Horowitz. For a guy who'd spent mm-hmm. the best part of... What, what would it have been at this point? Six or seven years losing all the time. Um, they were really behind him. At one point, they were, they were really behind Barry, but could not give a 
ethos about what Skip was doing. It was like, it was <laughs> silent at some points when when Skip was on um, was on offense. It, I've got a note here. Barry doing a face press, but it turned out like just more of a flying mount. Um, <laughs> it, it was just it was the strangest thing. He obviously over he obviously didn't take into account that Candido's not as tall as, as other guys, or he just completely overshot it and he just ended up um, just mounting his chest. Um, <laughs> I, I thought. I thought that this was that this was this was this was fine. This is better than the last two matches. Um, I went a gentleman's two on it. I went. Um, I thought the finish was really cool as well, with Hakushi coming and just jumping over everybody, and then um, uh, Horror was getting the get, getting the getting the, the 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 win. I thought it was yeah, um, very um, very competent wrestling from both guys. I I think the reason why the fans are so into Horowitz, uh, you just you kind of mentioned it, Cam. I think it's his longevity. I think it's the fact he has been around for six, seven years, and therefore they know him. That's you know familiarity and all that, so they know the guy. They've seen the guy. Um, it's it's slightly different mm. from when the kid came in because it's a variation on that story. But the kid was always going to be made into a star. Barry was never meant to be a star at any point. They they've just gone on this loser gimmick. And 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 fair play, it seems to have worked to this point. Yeah, but that, that that could very that could you know you're you're probably hitting the nail on the head there. Um, it's sort of the yeah almost like the 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 the, the hometown team. So yes. the, the, the yes the 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 lovable loser hometown team finally getting their finally getting their chance. So yeah, I think you I think you probably hit the nail on the head there. But. Uh, I, I, well, I mean, sometimes it happens, sometimes it happens. Uh, Logan, um, as well as the match, I, I'm sure you were impressed with Barry Horowitz's prototype Mad Cut Moss uh, gimmick outfit choice he was wearing. <laughs> and uh, I really do I really do hate myself for knowing that that it is Mad Cut Moss that he looks like, because, you know, that means I've, <laughs> I've been paying attention and that's never a good thing. <laughs> um yeah i love the suspenders i love that look uh, i love that he came out uh, uh hava nagila or whatever the name of that uh jewish song is i thought that was a great theme song for barry horowitz yeah, um like, but he, it's like it's like anyway. barry you're jewish it's like barry you're jewish we get it <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but yeah those the the tights that he had on were a little uh snug as well so he was showing a little bit uh he's showing a little bit of the dreidel uh, i'll say I guess. Oh. Um, <laughs> uh, um, but Candido uh, was great in this match. He sold like a madman uh, throughout the match. I say I said he must have been a huge inspiration to a uh, young Eric Young at this point uh, for the overselling simple offense department. I, I think uh, they're a lot alike in how they uh, do, do do their selling. Uh, Candido's criminally underrated, kind of like uh, and criminally underused, like Callum said. Uh, would have been a great addition to that cruiserweight, light heavyweight kind of division that they could have probably had. Um, this is a match, considering the talents, uh, shouldn't be as good as it is. Uh, shouldn't have have the crowd behind it as much as they do, but they chip for Barry pretty much the whole time. But it's just a really solidly worked match uh, by both guys. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big fan of Candido uh, through all of our pods. You know, we, we we loved him on our Impact pod while we, while we had him at least. Um but uh, I, I've become a pretty big fan of his watching like ECW and that. And then obviously this old stuff with him. Um, 
I love that Horowitz, the, the surprise pin artist, kind of went for pins throughout the whole match. Uh, and that was and that was kind of how he got it. I uh, got the win too as well. When Hakushi came out, kind of jumped over Skip, and he got him in the inside cradle. Uh, I went a little higher. I went two and a half. I just thought it was really solidly worked, and I thought these guys really really went out there and had a really well worked match. Yeah, I went I went two and a half as well because like it it was a really good simple story, and they both held their end of the bargain. Like Skip carried on being like just a cocky sort of a bitch. I could beat him at any time, and. On this particular occasion, it took another person coming down to inside, in this case, Akushi, and that's what, and that distraction is what helped Barry to win, you know, and that's, that's just perfectly, that's just simple wrestling 101, and, you know, if there was a bit more of that, you know, I think 95 would be a bit more funnily remembered. <laughs> I was saying, Callum, don't feel bad, we gave him the extra half star, because we've disgraced his memory uh, way that too is, many yeah. times on Highway to the Impact. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is true. <laughs> you probably gave it the correct rating. We just had to throw the extra half star. Yeah. Besmirch that good, that good man's reputation. <laughs> and you probably also think, you probably also gave it the extra. I, I would say it's an extra quarter star for the Candido slander and an extra quarter star because, you know, Sonny needs everything she can get. And a quarter <laughs> star maybe we'll bail her out at some point. <laughs> oh, but Sonny, Sonny did look great, to be fair. That, that, she's worth half a star on her own, to be honest. <laughs> If, if I mean, if, if only people in 1995 could see what she's become now. And it would, hey, hey. Exactly. This is a light, light-hearted pod, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm, I'm not saying, I'm not saying anything about her personally. I'm just thinking, she's, she's aged like fine milk. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. <laughs> We then go backstage where Dean Douglas gives us the definition of vivify. He then calls the end of a match a travesty, grading the ref an F and Horowitz an S for slacker. He doesn't give a grade out for Sunny or Skip, though. Todd Pettigill is then with Sean Michaels, who says it's impossible to prepare for a ladder match. There's far more for him to lose tonight than gain in this match, as he as Razor could just climb a ladder rather and a pinfall and a submission would be a far more difficult thing for him to get. Uh, he, but he can't have a situation where he is the loser, which gives you a bit more of an insight into mid-90s Sean than I think many of us realise at the time. <laughs> we After this, we then go to the ring where we have our women's title match, which is Bertha Faye versus London Blaze. Now, Logan, if Sean was still with us, I get the feeling we'd have a five-minute, at least a five-minute monologue on the on on Alundra Blaze and the Dangerous Alliance. But he's not here tonight, so uh, we can just talk about the match, which is uh, you know Vince's view of mid-nineties women's wrestling in a in a in a nutshell. I think. Yeah, without a doubt, and I think we got about two. I got news for you is in that Sean, uh, in that Sean interview. <laughs> so uh, if you're keeping account of catchphrases uh, that, were, that were used by people at this point, uh, you could throw that one on there. Um, yeah, th- the best way I could describe this match is I I cared less about it because the company cared less about 1995 women's wrestling, and sadly, you know, the co- that's exactly how the company feels. They don't give two craps about these two ladies getting in there that threw it out there just to get a little variety, I guess. Um, but I, I, a lunger tries, uh, she does a couple of cool moves here and there. 
Um, you know, she she was, you know, just she was trying her best at this point uh, to try and get something over that just was never going to be pushed well enough by the company. Uh, this one, I blame this one completely on the company that, that you know they they were just never going to get behind it, and she she saw the writing uh, writing on the wall, and she you know jumped ship and dropped the title of the trash can like she did. Um, but the only other comment I have on this uh, match is the uh, commentary bit where uh, Lawler says a lot of people have buns of steels, but Bertha Faye has buns of cinnamon. So um, that tells you how uh, interesting this match was. I, I went a I went a quarter star just because I thought Alondra cut, uh, pulled out a couple of cool moves, but that's pretty much it. Now, and now all I want to eat is a cinnamon bun. So thank you, thank you for that, Logan. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, like like Logan says, Callum, um, you know the uh, the the women's revolution uh, evolution movement do not want to see this match in a hurry because uh, I think Mister McMahon uh, might be in. Well, he's already in trouble, but you know he might be even more trouble. <laughs> Vince, Vince McMahon in trouble for conduct for his conduct surrounding women. That's exactly. I know, right? I know, right? Shocking. Oh, me, oh, me surprised. Um, so apparently Bertha Fee has uh, I, I, I believe Bertha Fee had a fairly successful time out in Japan um, yes so it, it, it's so Blaze has gone had, Blaze has had, had, had a time with the bull knack and knack and go and then she's moved on to she's moved on to, to, to Bertha Fee the problem that they've got is they can't they, they've, they've got they, they seem to have all the pieces there they're just not putting them on the board. Like mm-hmm. so, you've got you've got Bertha Fee, who's who's, a, you know, a, an accomplished wrestler in her own or her own right. They give her the shit. Was it Queen Queen of the Trailer Parks gimmick? Um, I, it's just this match wasn't bad. It was better than I was expecting it to be. Um, I, the commentary was absolutely outrageous. Did they have to keep <laughs> calling her? Big Bertha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I know that I got before the match even started. I've never seen so many people get the job at entrance on a pay-per-view before. So that's now, <laughs> that, that's that's Bertha yeah, got one. That's true. Bertha got one. The Blue Brothers got one. The Guns get half a one because their music starts. Next thing you know, they're, they're shown up in the ring. Yeah. Um, I was just like, this is this is me. This people are paid for this. Um, I don't know if you noticed as well, as well, gents. Um, Tim White is the only person that was involved in this match that has never been the WWF Women's Champion. Oh and, wow! <laughs> um, the, the match was better than I thought it was. I actually gave it. I actually, I was maybe I was a wee bit generous or, or, or feeling the feeling the allergies. But I went one and a quarter on it. I thought it was actually all right. Uh-huh. Oh, um, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, but. The, the one thing that I had the benefit of was I wasn't I was only listening I had only one headphone in when I was listening to it so I wasn't getting all the, all, all the bad commentary it might have been better for me because I was watching it almost on mute um, I didn't think it was I didn't think it was too bad although by the sound of it I might have the shit taker one wrapped up I am well, I'm ex- I, I'm I'm not doing the politician thing here, but I am exactly in the middle of both of you because I went 0.75 and um, what I will say is. That that end sequence with the you know the Batista bomb was pretty sweet by Bertha I thought so that that raised it up a little bit but 
I'm not. I'm not just. I'm not going politician, but I did go. I'm exactly halfway between the two of you, which is slightly worrying. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I feel like like what rest, what women's wrestling was before. It's not. She's not um, the 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 the, um, the future Miss, Mrs. Criscolo, Donna Christianello. Um, oh, she's she's not any of the diva search people. As as our Bertha mm. and our Alundra, they're both very accomplished wrestlers. It's just that. They, they stick out like a sore thumb. That that they're, they're, they're in the wrong. I think what, what we I think we've mentioned it yesterday. It's like Hakushi. If he had gone to ECW at this time, or he'd gone to the uh, gone to the WCW, bloody hell, going Bret Hart on, going to the WCW <laughs> in ninety five. He was in the he was in the right. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think these two, anywhere else, could have. You put these two and have this match nowadays, I don't think it sticks out. It sticks out like a sore thumb in 1995. Yeah, it's a, yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's a different time. And, you know, you're at least, even in WWF terms, even that, you know, you're at least five, six years away from Trish and Lita, aren't you? You know, being a, yeah. even that being a thing. They just weren't, yeah. Vince, just Vince's head right. just could not cope with this. Women, women were eye candy. They weren't like athletes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess I just listened to the commentary and could tell how little King and Vince really gave a shit. So I, I just I didn't enjoy it uh, that much at all. And, you know, I know they both tried and it was the work was obviously there, but I, I just I couldn't get into it because I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just wasn't for me, I guess. But Bertha Faye is the only other person other than Ahmed Johnson to be billed from Mississippi. So that that is a <laughs> that is an interesting fact. About this guy, so. <laughs> Forgot to mention that. That should get that should get to the three stars instantly then surely. <laughs> that's, yeah, exactly. That's what the quarter star was for. He didn't enjoy the match. It was just because Bertha Faye's from Mississippi. Yeah, I was embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen. I think at this point, as the undercard is complete, we should take our break for the evening. Uh, we still have four big matches to go, including two title matches. Uh, so far, Logan Crosland and Callum Dougal and Ben Lodge. This is Chicken Salad, and we will see you on the other side. Place to be nation, or welcome back to episode 27 of Chicken Sard Mines. Ben Lock, I'm here with Logan Crosland and Callum Dougal, and we are talking and breaking down SummerSlam of 1995. So let's get back to the show. Our next match is a casket match between The Undertaker and the Supreme Fighting Machine Karma of the Million Dollar Corporation. This match is a casket match. The Undertaker and Paul Bearer do a promo for us. This is a Coliseum Home Video exclusive just for us Coliseum Video fans. So thank you very much, Paul, for that. Uh, the pop for The Undertaker, I will say, compared to what we've had for the rest of the night, is just ungodly. One of the biggest pops I have heard. Of the actually, 
I, I was shocked when I heard that. That was how good it was. Um, Callum, um, like I say, they, they built this match up. They tried to make it a big deal, but do we really need 20 minutes of karma versus The Undertaker at any point in our lives? Um, negative on that one, sir. Okay. Um, I just want, just want to make sure. Yeah, honestly. Now, I don't know, Ben, did you ever have the In Your House 1 and 2 tag classic DVD? I certainly did. Now, do you, do you remember on either In Your House 1 and or 2, they're doing, they're doing a preview run of this in one of the post shows? Yes. Yes. I can't remember which one, but I've seen that match. Yes. Um, that wasn't very good. Now, why they thought <laughs> if the preview wasn't very good, do you know what, we'll put it on SummerSlam. Because you know, <laughs> like, maybe they thought it can only get better. Um, this... <laughs> This wasn't good. Nothing much happened. It was just kicks and punches, and I know you're sort of limited in, in, in with the Undertaker's gimmick. He's not really evolved into doing anything more than kicks and punches and power moves, and Cabba being a, an ultimate fighter, or sort of a supreme fighter. Um, kicks and punches are, are, are his are his mo. Um, it, it doesn't. If you've got guys who who their styles are going to clash as badly as that and I understand that, that The Undertaker and Kama are very close friends backstage and it's, it's obviously trying to keep everyone happy you can work with your friends but oh, put your foot down Vince I mean come on this is just these guys styles just did not mesh at all um, it was I've got here, it's 15 minutes of awful wrestling and the payoff is a man being gently rolled into a casket. <laughs> it, was, it was just, and I was watching it on my iPad and, and, and my finger was hovering over the the the, 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 the plus, plus 10 second bit and I was just <laughs> going to try and like flick through it as quick as I can because I knew it was just going to be more of the same. You could have put the match in a gif and you would have seen the entire match if you just re- replayed it fifteen times for fifteen minutes. Um, Taker's entrance is is awesome as always. I will uh, always pop for that. Um, and because of that, um, I have gone zero point five stars on this one purely because of the Undertaker's entrance. Um, I I wrote in our little chat for this show uh, before as I went. When I can when I can make my notes for this match without pausing, you, you kind of know things are going a bit are a bit shit and or slow. And in this case, it's both. Yeah, I mean nothing. When 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 I, sometimes I can be I can be accused of exaggerating things, especially when I'm on Crock and Roll talking about Wahoo McDaniel. But <laughs> there is no, I I am not exaggerating here when I say nothing happened in this match. <laughs> uh, Logan, as well as talking about the match, I'd like you to answer a question for me. Um, who is the worst manager of the mid 1990s, and why is it Ted DiBiase? Oh, it's one thousand percent Ted DiBiase. He is absolutely worthless in almost every way. Uh, he's he he improved no one that he managed throughout the years. It was just all around awful. And Austin did the best thing he ever could do and got rid of him as quickly as possible. Uh, he didn't want him in the first place, as if you if you hear his interviews about coming in, being like, oh, I don't need a manager, you know. So 
Um, ben, I would like to know what you gave this match before I go um, any further. Okay, okay. Um, I, I, I went the gentleman's one star on it, but I was more concerned about the... Uh, I felt like, is a British reference that Callum will appreciate. I always felt like it was an episode of Changing Rooms with the, with the shoddy uh, workmanship of on the casket and the, <laughs> the lining being taken out. And I was more concerned with that, to be honest. All that was missing was... Do you know what? If Lawrence Llewellyn bone turned up, I think that would make it better. <laughs> he would have loved that purple velour inside, though, wouldn't he? <laughs> would you yeah. <laughs> yeah, one of my notes is the cheap, the cheapness and how easily the casket fell apart was uh, very telling of the time of WWF we're in at this point. Uh, very cheap. They went very low rent on that one. I, I love that it completely fell apart uh, on yeah. the inside. Uh, answer your question though, yeah, one star. The because uh, I thought the tombstone was quite impressive. You know, it, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, Karma's a three hundred pound man. And he got him quite easily. Okay, so I went one and a half, and I am extremely okay. nostalgic for this time period. I love Taker, I love Sean, I love Razor, I love Diesel, I love Bret Hart. So just keep that in mind. It was one and a half. That's what. That's why I went for that Roy because I thought a couple things Taker did were pretty cool. I think the fact that he got Karma up and did it. I uh, did the tombstone was pretty awesome. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, Taker is um, clearly very pissed at the beginning of this match that Kama uh, disrespected his uh, followers and his uh, urn that he uh, had melted down into the necklace. So he came out a house of fire, completely kicking Kama's ass to begin uh, the match. I thought the little casket cam was a hell of an innovation, even though it was very grainy and kind of not the best camera, uh, camera shot of all time. But, um, uh, Paul Bear at one point gets uh, kind of fired up uh, at DiBiase because DiBiase had kicked uh, a kick taker while he was down. So Paul Bear kind of pushes one of the refs, refs down. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, at one point, uh, Kama does a suplex on Undertaker onto the casket. And uh, judging by future injuries that happens in these type of matches, that could have ended a lot worse. Um and uh, then at one point they're on top of the casket and Taker kind of backdrops Kama from from the casket into the ring. I thought that was pretty impressive considering how big of a guy uh, Kama is. Uh, the pin, the pins that Kama does and the rest holds are just that's what makes this match just drag and it is kind of makes it a little bit of the Drex uh, in the middle because he just holds a friggin' chin lock on for, you know, two to three minutes and he does it separate times and he goes for multiple pins and it's like, you idiot, it's a friggin' casket match. You've knocked him out, roll him <laughs> into the damn box. Um, but I, I talked about the cheapness of the casket, how that was kind of funny and kind of telling of the times. Um, and Taker getting the guy, the big guy up in the tombstone is always cool. So um, the match is not great. I, I won't I won't even begin to say that. But I, like I said, I'm kind of nostalgic for this time period. I, I'm, I'm a big Taker guy at the same time as well. Uh, I think if you shorten this by about six, seven minutes, take those chin locks out. I think it's a much more a much better match and is much more competently worked. Uh, but yeah, a one and a half is what I went, and it's purely based on nostalgia for Taker. <laughs> I, I I don't think you need to apologize for one and a half. That's 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 pretty acceptable boundary. And I'm, I again, I'm genuinely not being a politician by being in the middle. You know, because until we went in, but yeah, I, I went one star, so I am right in between everybody again. <laughs> I was just thinking, I was just having a, a, a quick glance over there, and you're talking about Ted DiBiase being the worst manager in, in, in history. Yes. Um, I remember back in the day when, when, 
when the boys were going through on the mothership, going through the, the going through this time, and they were they were talking up how bad the million dollar corporation's record was on paper. Do you gentlemen, up and after this match, do you gentlemen care to take a stab at the pay per view record for the million dollar corporation after this match? After this match, yes. I don't think they're on paper. I don't think they're on pay per view that much. Well, I Austin wins. Kid, Austin Kid w- wins at Survivor Series, doesn't he? Yes, Austin wins at Austin wins. Yeah, Austin wins at WrestleMania. Oh no! Uh, up, just just up until this point. Oh oh so oh from oh, ninety from ninety from ninety four. Okay, let's have a think. Yeah, Bundy doesn't win it. So they they win they win that Survivor Series match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm going to go with a conservative two and eight. You are very that, very close. They they go a stellar one eight and one. What's the draw? Jesus. What is the draw? Uh, I will find out for you. So we have oh, the fact. Sorry, sorry. Apologies. Two, eight, and one. Oh! <laughs> Just the time. You bastard. You bastard. Two, eight, and one. Two, eight, and one. So, Bam Bam and IRS uh, beat the head shrinkers at SummerSlam. Yeah. But, so- but the Undertaker loses. <clears throat> excuse me. The Undertaker loses to the Undertaker. Also at SummerSlam. They then won at Survivor Series. And then they do not win another match on pay-per-view until the end of time. Uh, <laughs> Undertaker beats IRS at the Royal Rumble and uh, Bam Bam and Tatanka lose to the one, two, three kid and Bob Holly at the Royal Rumble. Jesus. You then have um I'll find it here again. You then have the Undertaker beating King Kong Bundy at WrestleMania and Lawrence Taylor beating Bam Bam at WrestleMania. You then have uh, <laughs> Diesel beating Sid at In Your House One. You have Sean drawing with Kama at King of the Ring. Ah, that's the draw, I got you. And then they lost the things. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, Sid yeah. and Tatanka lose the main event at King of the Ring. You guys should know that. That's on. <laughs> uh, and then um, Diesel beats Sid again at In Your House 2. And then it comes yes. to comes to this very night. So up until this point, a stellar record of two wins, eight, draw, eight losses and one time limit draw. I mean, the scary thing is, just thinking about DBS just for a second, is in this time period alone, like, Lou Albano is a manager at this point, and we're not, we don't consider him to be the worst. <laughs> Lou, Lou Albano is infinitely more successful than Ted DBS. They haven't, they, they, they hadn't won a match on pay-per-view at this point in, what would that be, nine months? And it's such a, it's such a weird thing as well, because DBS is like a great talker, we know that, and yet, he is mm-hmm. the absolute dirt worst as a manager. He just doesn't do anything. He just stands there like a jackass. Yeah. I don't know. It's just he oh, has no that, presence. He's got that Lloyd's of London payment. Yeah, that's true. And he did the same. He did the same thing in WCW, didn't he? When he was with the NWO and the Steiners, just stood there, did nothing. Mm-hmm. Rubbed his hand, rubbed his hands occasionally to make a money sign. That was about it. I wonder if it's just a thing where they, they want him around for name value, but he can't take a bump, and he wasn't mm. very good on commentary. So like he's he's sort of like a, a redundant unless you make him unless you make him an authority figure. There's not much else you can really do with him. What do you, and what do you mean he's not very good on commentary? Have you heard him at, at Royal Rumble in '94? I mean, there's a there's a show we might need to do at some point just for 
I don't be- for a, I don't believe it, man count <laughs> or variants thereof. Him and him and Vince, and then from there, and I don't believe it, man, and not notwithstanding. <laughs> oh, and we'll we'll get- do <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely get Rory in for that one. That's that, that's 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 been a McNamara rule over there, that's. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, we then go to our next match in the ring, which pits Bret Hart versus Through Hell, Fire, Fixident, and Novocaine. It's the big daddy dentist himself. That's gotta be Isaac Yankum, GDS, not Kane. And uh, all I will say about this is my second note says, uh, all wrestling fans now in 2022... uh, as 2022 was recorded, can you can you imagine like if uh, Yankum started doing DDS in in you know as a quote? I mean that's the you know somebody doing that with their medical profession that's never going to get over like that, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now, boys, I think I'll, I'll go to Logan first. I think we all we all we can all agree on this pod. We're all huge Bret Hart fans on this show. But Logan. Is there any? Is there much worse in the wrestling world than a bored, uninterested Bret Hart doing a doing a wrestling match? It, it's pretty rough. I won't lie. This is definitely uh, among uh, one of Bret's worst uh, pay per view matches, and it's not because of him. I think he definitely still tries. He's definitely bored looking, uh, but I think he definitely still tries to get the best that he can out of uh, Dentist Kane, as I, I I put him in my notes as. Um, but uh, in the commentary, we got a lot of teeth and dentistry jokes uh, throughout this whole match uh, with King and uh, uh, Vince just kind of bouncing back off of King. Um, people uh, liking uh, people's liking of King's commentary may vary, and I myself think he's pretty rough most of the time, as I think probably most people do. But he's if, but for some reason, if he's talking about the Hart family, whether he's talking about the parents or Brett or Owen or any of them, he is almost always money. Uh, he mentions uh, he mentions uh, Stu goes to the dentist twice a year, one for each tooth. So I thought that that was like an <laughs> amazing line by King. So uh, as long as he's mentioning the hearts, he's pretty good on commentary. But other than that, uh, pretty pretty rough. Um, I, I made the note that Brent's one of those wrestlers that could wrestle a broomstick and make it entertaining. You know, they always say that about Flair. Some people say that about Michaels, but I think Brent is definitely one of those guys as well. Um, but uh, while this is probably uh, one of his worst pay-per-view matches, kind of like I've already said, it's ten times better than a match with uh, Mr. Dentist Kane uh, should should be. Uh, the finish hurts it from getting a little bit better of a score, which I'm probably going to overrate it anyways. Um, but the finish is pretty rough where he kind of hangs him in the the ropes and like never lets him out, and King and him kind of just hold him there, uh, doing nothing, basically. Um but yeah, the the finish is pretty rough. Um, one cool move that uh, Yankum actually does throughout the match is a top look, prop top rope leg drop, uh, where he kind of has him hanging over the top rope. I thought that was a pretty cool move to pull out. Um, I'm gonna kind of use the the reason that Ben used in the last ep- episode to give it a couple extra points uh, uh, with that he used with Malenko at Bash '99. I can't give Bret Hart a below a two and a half because I think most of his matches exceed that. So uh, I'll I'll give him that uh, in this match. <laughs> Yes, uh, um, yes. Uh, the uh, much talked about uh, Malenko clause, as we're going to call it, 
from now on. Um, I've also used that, but I went slightly lower in my reasoning. Um, I couldn't give a Bret Hart WWF match lower than two stars, so it gets the gentleman's two from me. But uh, obviously, we're talking Bret Hart WCW, then we go much lower. But uh, Bret Hart WWF, we can go, we can get to two stars. Um, now, Callum, you mentioned the old Titan sinking book. Uh, I'm going to directly quote them here. Um, would it shock you to know that uh, the reason we get the old Big Daddy dentist is uh, because Vince had a, a rather unfortunate trip to the dentist and thought that would make a great idea for a wrestling gimmick? I certainly wouldn't put it past. <laughs> so yeah, and so yes, and um, as for the match itself, yeah, it was just a, it was just a slow plodding affair, and. As we say, Brett Brett gave the old bored, uninterested look, but uh, you know he he still put out put a performance out there, and he got something out of Yankum that I didn't think was possible. To be fair, I yeah, I mean it was it was fine. Um, one of these ones, uh, you're never going to get a, a a five star classic out of. Um, Isaac Yankel or Kane or Fake Diesel, um, but it 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 does have. If you look at Kane from two thousand and one to two thousand, like he's way two thousand to two thousand and two when he comes back from that injury, and then even into two thousand and three before the, the the heel turn. There there's good matches in him. Mm. Like during, like the the, the mm. two thousand and one run especially, there is good matches in there if if you can just unlock the right thing. And I think if Brett was on form, and hadn't really been beaten down by his he's a bit he's, he's strange nineteen ninety five, then I, I think they could have had they, they could have done something quite special. I think they could have had a really really good match. Um, because look at what 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 Brett did with Diesel all that. All those times, um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, Brett at one point is doing like a doing a, a springboard over the top rope, um, almost spikes himself in the head uh, on on the floor just to get a reaction from the crowd because the, the like the the crowd's non the crowd's non plus. But I, I think you're right. I mean, there's there's a lot to be said for for Brett. He takes he takes a lot of pride in in, in, in what he does. But see, you're absolutely right when he cannot be asked. It's really, really painful to watch because you can. He's got no. He's. He'd be the world's worst poker player. <laughs> he's like he's thinking he'll come out. He would think he would. He would draw. He's got thing. He would have a two and a seven. He would look over at the other guy. He would tell the other guy how awful Bill Goldberg is as a person, and then tell him what cards he had. He's. Like, he's you can just his body language is all demeanor. You could tell he couldn't be asked. He was just going through the motions for fifteen minutes. Um, albeit, I mean, it was. I, I've gone. I've gone the gentleman's two as well because I think it wasn't. It wasn't bad, but it's quite. It's. I feel it's a what could have been because I, I do feel if Brett really, really wanted to, he could have got a good match out of out of them, um, out of Isaac Yanko. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the match ends in a DQ thanks to the double teaming of uh, Isaac Yankov and and Jerry Lawler. And this ends up with uh, Lawler leaving the commentary area and uh, Brett being escorted 
backstage by uh, the wrestling agents. And, and speaking of backstage, we head there where Doc Hendricks tries to do an interview with Razor Ramon and Bret Hart comes straight past them. He's still in the injury, though, still. Fair play to him. Uh, Razor says history tonight will repeat itself. We then see exactly why Bret Hart goes past him because the interview area has to be the shortest distance from the actual entrance to the arena in history. <laughs> it, it's literally a step away. And so you pretty much get the interview and then Razor's music kicks in. Um, now, this match, Callum, this is like, this is a proper match. And we're going to talk about it properly because we don't get to talk about good match, really good slash great matches that often. So when we do, we, you know, we've got to, we've got to give it the big build. Um, so this is the rematch from WrestleMania 10, some 16 months in the making. Um, Sean's a better performer at this point. Razor, it could be argued, is a better performer. Is this, in your opinion, a better match than WrestleMania 10? I am, I am in the camp that no. I prefer WrestleMania 10. And saying that, you think there's there's not a, you know there is the width of a cigarette paper in between them how close they are um, this is I, I, I've actually got ladder match no need for notes this match <laughs> this match sticks out this match sticks out like a sore thumb they they have they, they work it so well because they get this uh, and, I don't know if you're going to. And apologies if you're going to um, if you're going to bring this up um, from the the, the the time sinking book. But they were under they were working under this edict that they couldn't use the ladder as a weapon. But so they worked. They they they, they masterfully worked around it that they could run into it. And oh, oops, I've run into that ladder that just happened to be standing there as a indirectly using it as a weapon. But they were just. It, this was this was a, a, a different match from because of because they had that stipulation. So I think that sort of helped them as well that they're not doing they're not doing the, the rematch. They don't have to. The, the one thing about the the, the, the ladder, the the, triple, the the triangle ladder, and then the first two TLCs is they always felt that they had to one up themselves because you're doing the same match, so you're not doing the same match again. They have this edict that they can't use the ladder as a weapon. You're automatically straight straight away going to have a different match. I think that it was it was masterful the way they did it. Um, it's I, I, the, the 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 end the ending thirty seconds aside, everything in this match was perfect. Um, I, 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 that being said, I do prefer WrestleMania ten. So on this <laughs> one, in, in this one, I, I've I've got I, I've gone. Um, see, I don't, I don't, yeah, I'll four 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 point seven five. I'm going for this one because I, I would go the, I would go the full five on WrestleMania ten. I don't put as much weight on on the botched finish. Um, I think it was it was ambitious, but it just didn't it, it just didn't come off. But, but yeah, it's just that that's how that's how close I think the two of them are. Yeah, I've I've gone four point seven five on the match as well. I've, and the reason pretty much is because of the botch finish. And and the and and really the reason I've done it is because if it was 
a one botch finish and then they did it fine, I probably would forgive it, but it's the fact they had to do it twice. That's where a bit was it. But what I will say, Logan, is for me personally, I think I even mentioned this to you in, in our chat group, is this match probably the most, for psychology reasons, is probably one of the best thought-out ladder matches in, of all time. Like, the Razor Ramon knee attack and the focus he puts on that, I thought was superb all match. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, I'll, I'll be the grand mark of all marks and give it five. Um, <laughs> I won't even say I prefer this one over WrestleMania 10. I think if I had to pick one, I would probably pick this one. I, I don't really, I guess I'll kind of get into it as I go through it, but I, I don't know. Something about, I, I probably saw this one first. I think I saw this one first is probably the real reason I would pick this one over the uh, the other one because uh, we had this tape before we had that tape, you know, kind of kind of situation. So I think I saw this match a little earlier than I saw the WrestleMania 10 one. So this one kind of sticks out in my head a little bit more, I guess. But I mean, they're both they're both five stars to me. Uh, I love both of these guys. I think both of them are extremely well worked. Uh, so. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely think there. I mean, like, like Callum said, it's paper thin. It's like, you know, one day I might like the ten match better. One day I might like this one better. So, um, but uh, I said this in the chat as I was watching the match. Uh, this is some uh, goat uh, level tights for uh, Shawn Michaels. He has the teal and black on. I, I love this uh, outfit that he has on, and he comes out with like the, you know, the the vest that's like the little circles that are like mirrors or whatever, and and they're real shiny and all that kind of stuff. So I thought he had a pretty cool outfit coming out to the ring on this one. Um, a lot of a lot of leg stuff uh, that made me cringe a little bit. Uh, the suplex spot where his leg kind of clips the guardrail kind of makes me cringe every time I see it. Um, I love that both guys kind of thought each other's or kind of know that each other's finishers are kind of a kill shot. So they kind of do everything they can to avoid that throughout the match. Uh, I think Razor finally eventually hits the Razor's edge, but they're both just absolutely worn out at that point. So uh, Sean's able to recover a little bit. Um, it's refreshing in these old ladder matches to kind of see that there's only usually one one ladder involved. Uh, this is actually the first one where they use uh, multiple ladders. So I thought that was pretty funny that I made that note early in the match, but the second ladder comes out eventually. Um, how Sean ever made it out of this match without legit hurting his knee uh, or his back or anything like that is amazing because he took a lot of really scary looking uh, uh, bumps at certain points throughout this match. Um, I feel like this by Razor is kind of a weird match because I don't really feel like he usually works uh, the leg a lot. I think he works the back and the arms a lot. You know, he works the back because the razor's edge, you know, kind of land on your back and neck. So uh, that'll that's the part he's trying to weaken so he can finish you off with that move. So seeing him work the leg was kind of a different way to, for him to work a match, and you don't see it very often. So I thought that was really cool. Um, uh, I love the splash callback uh, from the top of the ladder that Sean does, but he actually misses this time. So obviously Razor learned that that was something uh, that Sean was probably going to pull out. Um, like I said, there's a ton of dangerous falls in this one. It's amazing. Neither of these guys came out super hurt. Um, the super kick from the one ladder to the other uh, that Razor's on is a pretty wild move to see at this point in, in, in the company's history. Um, I hate the botch that happens at the end. I, I wish it wasn't there because it would have been a lot cooler if he just kind of ripped the belt down in the first attempt. Uh, but this match is still awesome and absolutely perfect for me. So, yeah, like I said, I'd go five stars, and these guys are just masters of this kind of match. So they'll always win me over. <laughs> I, yeah, I think 
I think the I think the only time that this match has ever been better in terms of ladder match psychology is the uh, the Michaels Jericho match from No Mercy. That's that's the only match I would put this. I'd love the like I say I love the legwork from Razor. I love the callbacks to the second match to the first match. So you know, like you say with the missed spots, I love the fact that you know we have the inadvertent and I'm doing the air quotes as I. I'm doing the air quotes as I say inadvertent, the inadvertent uh, ladder shots because, you know, there's all these standards and practices that mean we can't do that anymore. And if only, if only, Callum, there was a podcast out there on this feed that, you know, took these great matches and, you know, inflated them for, you know, to, to separate these star ratings out. But, I mean, this match would have to get to five stars from a certain other person's uh, metric to get there. I don't think this ever did make that bar. Uh, if only, I know. Um, there, there may come a time that if that podcast, if that podcast, you know, if there was a podcast like that, they might want to maybe look at uh, matches that didn't quite make um, the, ah. the, the, the five stars. Um, but then there probably would be potential there. But yes, um, how this one... Well, he, he says not giving it five stars, but how you can't make this one five stars in a vacuum? Um, <laughs> it, it's is you know I, I you know I, me giving at four point seven five aside um, because I'm comparing it to the to the WrestleMania ten one, but yeah, it's it's wonderful. It's like and it's like I say it's literally for me it's literally the ending, and because I'm a picky curmudgeonly old sod now, so I have to make these kind of judgments. <laughs> You bastard, Ben. <laughs> I'll, I'll also quickly mention, gentlemen, that, you know, there is quite a lot of famous fans around, famous WWE fans around this this uh, show tonight in the arena. And I noticed a lot of them, particularly during this match, uh, Vladimir's at ringside. Uh, you know, he's just off center of the actual IOA. Faith No More guy is about three rows back of the, uh, the camera. And... Also, that couple, and I don't know if they've got like a proper name, but there's that couple that always appears in what I call highlighter pen shirts. The, the gentleman always wears bright pink and the, his wife always wears bright yellow. And somehow he manages to get himself from a good five or six rows back to front row to take some photos and then just never leaves. He just he just sits there all show. So I don't know if he like nicked a security man's seat or what, but they just they just let him sit there and carry on. And I thought it was it was quite nice and refreshing. <laughs> did, did I'm you pretty sure. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Anyway, anyway. I'm pretty sure Bullcut kids there at some point too. I think they show him in the crowd uh, celebrating yeah. after a match. Yeah. yeah. Wait, did you see the guy that was? At, at, it was. I, I can't remember what match it is. It might be the main event. Um, but there was a guy, and as you're coming up the aisle, in fact, it was when Hakushi was coming out for um, the, 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 the Skip Horowitz match, there's a guy at the corner of the aisle, on the right-hand side, there was a guy in a full tuxedo looking absolutely dapper. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I remember did the guy have, you're talking about. <laughs> didn't he have a sign-up, and I can't remember, I should have made the note, didn't he have a big sign-up for Birth of Fade declaring his love or something like that? Am I... That was that was the match it was. It was the Birth of Fade match. I remember it now. 
Bless God, bless him. Um, so after the match, we then head backstage to Dean Douglas, who is critiquing Razor Ramon's performance, except Razor finds the classroom and then attacks Dean after a after a war of words. I mean, you'd think he'd just let it go and just, you know, you know, kill his career in two months. Oh, wait a minute, that's actually what does happen. Um, because, because, Chairman, I don't know if you remember, um, Razor Ramon was going for his fourth Intercontinental Championship at this point. He didn't win it, obviously, uh, but he does get his fourth Intercontinental Championship at October's In Your House event. Mm -hmm. He then loses that Intercontinental Championship to a man named Goldust. And I don't know if you know this gentleman, but Goldust was known as Dustin Rhodes at one point, and he was also known as... Well, they call him the Natural. Natural. Natural as can be. They call him the natural. Natural. It comes naturally. He's a son of a son and son of a gun. The horse does a rodeo bulldog. He's the natural one. And you thought we forgot all about the natural. You see, Callum, it can make an appearance at any time. And I, for one, am grateful. They, it's, they, it's, I, I, I'm glad that, that we're a zero, um, a, a zero, a, a non-prejudiced uh, podcast here. It doesn't matter what promotion we're watching. The natural Dustin Rhodes gets his gets his proper due. Well, he is the official wrestler of Chicken Salad. We 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 decreed that it was between him and Rick Steiner, but you know we 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 went for Dustin in the end. It, it, it's it's because he's the natural. Absolutely, absolutely. And um, he's the son of a son. <laughs> I, I, and, I, I hear a son of a gun. Well, I was going to say, the rumour has it. Well, you know, if you're going to do it, you're going to do it right. Uh, gentlemen, we do have one more match left to go. Um, and going on the theme of the jobber entrances, by the way, considering this is the WWF title match between the champion Diesel and King Mabel, um, I don't know if you guys picked up on it, but that the King Mabel address fit, felt very jobberific. It was like, oh yeah, here comes King Mabel down to ringside. He just he's just there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go I'll go to Logan first. My first note on this match read reads uh, after the Lord Mayor show and all that. Uh, you know, we, we, this might be the biggest drop in quality we've ever had on this podcast. Yeah, without a doubt. Um... You know, uh, we we always talk about on the Highway Pod that Kevin Nash and his promos are some of our favorites. Uh, this is not one of his strongest. Uh, he uh, he uh, let <laughs> let Mabel lets Mabel know that he is going to get medieval on him, and he tells him multiple times that he's going to get medieval on him. So, um, uh, yeah, not one of Diesel's best here. Um, but yeah, this this match sucks. It sucks so bad. It is not good at all. Um, Diesel does like a leaping over the top dive at one point, and I thought that was like just completely out of nowhere. I never thought Nash and his weak ass knees could ever get uh, over the top rope like that. So that was very shocking to see. Uh, I didn't remember that that happened in this match. Um, that's probably because I zoned out at this point of watching that tape most of the time and just kind of let it run through. Um, but I know in interviews later on, in in like not a after this, later on after kind of. Mabel was out of the company and everything. Nash kind of always said that when uh, Mabel sat like straight down on his back, 
he like really really injured him to the point where at one at one at certain points throughout the rest of this match he couldn't even have come he didn't even have like complete feeling in his legs uh so it really kind of he really thought it kind of screwed up his back and thought he was going to have to have like major surgery after this so um i know that's i know that's something nash has talked about throughout the year so uh, just yeah, Mabel's style is just so sloppy. He hurt a lot of guys. He hurts Taker eventually. I don't think that's happened yet, but it happens a little bit further down the road to where Taker has to wear the mask that we all remember. Um, it's just a slog. Mabel should have never been in this situation. He wasn't over. Uh, he wasn't good. Uh, he was very dangerous. He should have never been uh, at the top of the card. Uh, he was perfectly fine as the kind of goofy, lovable. Uh, tag team wrestler with Mo. I think they worked well in that little scenario, but uh, he should have never been in the world title program. Um, and it's really, really lame and kind of stupid that the royal plan thing never really paid off. Uh, and that Bulldog just never, ever came out and was involved at all. Even when Luger came out, you would have thought maybe they would have clashed a little bit. And you know, I, I had this thought watching it this time. I don't know if Luger was supposed to be like part of the royal plan or something like that, and Nash maybe like called an audible because he thought he was hurt. Uh, but it's it, whatever it was supposed to be. It, it was just completely lame. Um, you know, I, I I know Diesel's title reigns not looked at very well, and I, I kind of compare him a lot to the the Ultimate Warrior. I, I I don't think that they were going to ever be the best champions uh, just because I don't think that they could really cut the promos that certain guy, other guys of their eras could. But they were very un, or criminally like uh, given guys to work with. I feel like once Warrior became champion, you know, like Rude was like the biggest guy that he could go up against. And, you know, they never really treated him as much more than an intercontinental kind of guy. And then once Diesel becomes champion, he gets the couple matches with Brett. Uh, the one match with Michaels, but then he's put with like a very, you know, unmotivated Sid. He's with Mabel. Um, I think he's with Bulldog before Bulldog kind of became the main eventer that he would eventually become. So I just don't think he was ever presented with the best guys to go up against. I mean, you can't throw him out there with Sean and Brad every month, but throw him in there with Razor one month. Uh, throw him in there with Taker. Uh, obviously, him and Taker have good chemistry. They have a match later on that's pretty good. Just give him some better guys to go up against. And I know you're trying to build other stars. I get that, but it's just it, I just don't ever think he was presented with the best uh scenarios in this time period uh i i'm gonna go quarter star just because i think diesel really kind of try to push through a lot of it at the end uh when after he was kind of felt like he was a little bit hurt so i'll give it a quarter star for diesel's effort um, <laughs> I, 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 and a bonus question to you logan is this much worse or better than we, well, we kind of agreed that King of the Ring 95 was the worst main event we've seen so far. Does this, does is this worse or better than that? Uh, nah, the other one has Tatanka in, and 99, 1995 Tatanka is the absolute worst direct awful <laughs> badness, so I, I'd rather watch this smash, honestly. Uh, um, Callum, uh, Logan's already made mention of it, but, you know, that, that splash from Babel, that was one of the most that was one of the worst, most dangerous moves I've probably ever seen. And what was a really bad match before that absolutely went to Drek straight after. Yeah, I mean I I I I think the story goes that he was he either planned to do it or he told Nash he was going to do it and Nash was 
already nursing a bit yeah. of a bad back. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he did it yeah. anyway. And you so could the, hear him. Sorry, 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 Cal. The, sorry. The story, the story is, like you say, Nash told him not to do it. He does it. And then straight after the match, Vince tries to fire him. And right. because, because Nash is already on the wrong side politically with the boys, mm-hmm. Nash has to go to bat for him, basically, to keep his job. Yes, and I think when the, 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 when the, the story goes that Mabel was going to be the third man, or he was going to, I don't ever think he was going to be the third man, but he was going to come into WCW at one point. Yes. Nash said, absolutely not. I think Nash at yeah. that point had this way to say he's not these the guy's too the guy's too dangerous, he can't be trusted. And you could hear like it was the noise it made, like the, the, mm. the like it doesn't do anything to try and cushion the blow. He just sits down on the small of his back. And that must have been absolutely agony. And you could the like the guttural roar that Nash put uh, gives out. And I think you can hear him. He was, he was, he was obviously raging at him, and he was, mm. he was. You could hear him shouting. I heard them. Uh, I heard them shout, "You stupid motherfucker!" Yeah, as I say, I, I heard that. Um, but he was, and, and then he gets up and he's he, he, he's grabbing his hair, and you can see Nash. He's turning, he's turning around, and like he is furious. Um, <laughs> the, the, the match. We talked about Kane earlier on, and he, he, there's a good match in there somewhere. As as Diesel has proven with Sean and with Undertaker and with Brett, there's a good match in Kevin Nash where 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 needs to be. Mabel's not the type of guy that, that's going to get out, and 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 alternatively, conversely, Kevin Nash isn't the type of guy that's going to get a good match out of a, of a guy like Mabel. Very few are going to get a good match out of a guy like Mabel. Um, 100%. <laughs> it's like... Lori's talking about all, all the guys that, that, that Nash was put with. I mean, there's so many other guys you could put in this position. Mm. There's Luger. There's, well, like, you could, there's Luger if you turned him heel. There's Bulldog who you have just turned heel. There is... Owen Hart's not in the card. Yokozuna's not yeah. in the card. Yokozuna Bigelow's not, not on the card. Yeah, Bigelow. Bigelow's you could, I mean, yeah. Like, Yoko's the same size as Mabel, and Yoko is infinitely better because he's far more mobile. I mean, I, don't get me wrong, the gimmick's terrible, but we've had a show here with a fucking dentist on the show. Henry Godwin could have done a pay-per-view main event. I would have much rather had Henry Godwin than, than uh, Mabel at this point in time. Right. Again, it just goes back. They have all, they have all the pieces. They just don't know how to set up the board. Mm. Um, God bless Kevin Nash for trying to do that suicide dive because he's he's trying to give the fans something. Um, yeah, it's just it's just really really. I'm I'm, I'm disappointed all these years after the fact for Kevin Nash because this is the second mm-hmm. show that that I've that, that I've done in my tenure on the show. It's the second time we've had big big Kev come in as the as the champion. Um, but if you look at what he's had to play with, he had ninety five where they where they couldn't string a good main event from from WrestleMania onwards. They couldn't put together a good main event to save themselves up to Survivor Series, and then he had to deal with nineteen ninety nine WCW. They're kind of had a fair crack of the lip when it came to being. Being the top dog, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it was just you. You were you were praying for it to end. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'll get down here one star on it. It won't purely because Diesel tried his hardest, but that might be. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking back on it now. I think I might have been far too generous. I, I've gone. I've got a quarter star just purely because the Nash tried his best, and that little uh, dive over the top. I enjoyed that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, but that, like, I say that was genuinely one of the most dangerous moves I've ever seen. And one of those very rare times, like Callum said, where you you hear the performer, the other performer, you know, chomp him out basically live on air and not giving a shit. And I don't, and I don't blame him one bit. Okay, okay, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Okay, gentlemen. That is the end of the show. It pretty much wraps up very quickly. But it's the end of our, it's the end of the show. But it's not the end of our show because we have awards to give out now. Usually, I go around the horn, but I think we can all safely agree that uh, best match goes to the ladder match. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Now, does it, Logan? Callum, sorry, you're not part of this bit of the conversation, but is it the best match we've cut? No, because Callum's not been around too long. Is it the oh, best I know, match I know. we? Is it the best match we've watched in our time? Because I, I can only think of the ladder match from WrestleMania 16. I, I definitely think it is in in my in my in my view at least for sure. And uh, and the heart basic and heart and heart perfect. They're the only other two contenders. Yeah, I was. I think Heart Perfect is close, but I, I definitely would go with this for sure. There you go, big big praise to the ladder match. It gets to the top of the tree. Um, worst match, and this is where I will go to Cal first. But sorry for not making you feel very welcome, Cal. That's fine. I'll forgive you. Thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. Drew, Drew, Drew is amazing. Thank you. <laughs> you know it's bad. <laughs> I'm getting it all in ready, Logan. I've got you know, I've got it, I've got it all to come, mate. Uh-huh. Uh, worst match of the night, Cal. I, I, I mean, it's a toss up between the casket match and the main event, but I think I'm going to go the casket match. Uh, Logan, you have to go with the main event just because it was supposed to be the top. It's the top belt match on the card, but it's it, that. Yeah, you have to go with that for sure. Uh, I will break the tie by favouring Logan because that main event is is just the drizzles Ooh. and has and has one of the most dangerous moves of all time on it. So you know it's got it's 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 a kind of a twofold thing. Um, Logan, most surprising match of the night. Uh, I'd go skip Horowitz. I thought it was a surprisingly good. Uh, I, you know, I think that's one of the ones that kind of you look at the match and it kind of sneaks up on you how kind of good and well worked it is. So I'll go with that one. Uh, Callum, um, I, I think I might go one, two, three, Kitakushi purely for the fact that they actually put that match on a pay per view in nineteen ninety five and, and let them have a banger. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But I also went. I'm. I'm also agreeing with Logan again. I can't believe it. I went. <laughs> I went. I went. Skip Barry because, and I don't. Callum probably hasn't put this down for an award, but uh, we do have our, uh, as I mentioned right at the top, our very rarely seen hidden gem award. And I think I, I think I can speak for us all. We could put Kokushi Kid into that category. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, oh, that's yes, kind of why I went with Skip Skip Barry on the other one, because I knew that that was uh, kind of lingering there. So I'll, I'll definitely give that one to Hidden Jim. It was lingering in the background, just hiding <laughs> away. Yep, that's it. Uh, <laughs> Callum, our Sean Kidd Award for the biggest shit take of the night. And I think Logan's kind of agreed to give it to himself for his uh, casket match loving. Um. Yeah, I don't think there was many. I don't think there was many shit takes on it, um, on the show. I think I would need to. I would. I think I would need to give it to Logan because I don't want to give it myself for my high rating for the women's ta- the women's title match. <laughs> uh, Logan, have you got anybody else you'd like to give it to, or can we just give this one straight to you, my friend? Uh, I was gonna give it to myself, but. I gotta give I gotta give it to Callum for that uh, rating on the women's match. Uh, oh. I'll do I'll do it if you're not gonna do it, Callum. <laughs> well, yet again, I'm gonna. No, well, no, Callum, because yet again I'm breaking the tie, and this time I am siding with you. So Logan gets it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, I My first know. nomination. <laughs> uh, next award, our fashion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it was going to happen eventually. You know, we stick together. You know, you know, we're like. Okay, our next award, Logan, is our fashion statement of the night. What are you going to give that to? Uh, it's kind of an upset. I usually wouldn't. I, I usually, if Mabel's on the show, would give it to the trash bag purple outfit. But uh, <laughs> I am going to go with. <laughs> I'm going to go with Sean's uh, get up that he had on tonight. I thought that was really, really cool looking. Uh, Logan, uh, Logan, uh, Callum, sorry. <laughs> it's getting late here in the UK. I I know it's a, I know you're already going to say the Logan on this one, but I'm going to go with Harvey Bethune. Ooh, Ooh. Yeah, I, I I you you've you've kind of uh, you've kind of predicted exactly where I'm going. I'm with Sean because that is one of my favourite uh, Sean Michaels outfits. So I'm going with Logan on this one. Sorry to say, uh, Callum, I'll stick with you. Uh, most important award of the evening is this show salad or shit. One is a really, really difficult one. I think we spoke about it before. There's a lot of stuff on it that you could arguably put quite close to the bottom. There's a lot of stuff you could, but it's got it's got an, it's got like a near five star match on it. So you can't put it, you can't put it in in with the likes of Fall Brawl '93. Um, I think purely because it's got. The ladder match on it, and I'm thinking I'm 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 still trying to make my decision as I'm talking here. It's got the ladder match <laughs> on it. It's got Hakushi and the one two C kid on it. It's got a, it's got a pretty it's got a pretty good Skip Horowitz match on it. I am, despite all the negatives on it, I am thinking it is chicken salad. But it's one of these to, to you like I, I, I'll, I'll let Logan go into the to, to the different types of salad it is. But I think this is this is a salad that's just on its use by date. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to wait. You wouldn't want to wait a day to have a day no. to have it. Mm. Uh, speaking of, so as Callum's already built him up, uh, the king of the food analogy, Mr. Logan Crosland. <laughs> That's exactly the exactly the analogy I was going to make. This is salad, but it expires tomorrow. If you eat it tomorrow, 
it's going to be rotten and you're going to just you're going to feel sick as a dog after you eat it. But if you eat it today, it's going to be perfectly fine and you're going to like what you had. So that is a good one, uh, my Mr. McDougal, and that is exactly what I'll go with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jeremy. But I think we've got I don't I, well, I'm not sure where we're going to put this on our league table. So um, like Callum says, it's going to have to go somewhere near the bottom and bottom and our league table is good. You don't want to be at the top of our league table. So uh, I'm going to read from the bottom up and then we'll, you know, if somebody wants to, if somebody thinks that's a place for it to go, then we'll, uh, we'll debate from there. So the best show we have watched in our time on this show, King of the Ring, 1993. SummerSlam. <laughs> yeah, SummerSlam, 1993. Starcade 89. Backlash, 05. Halloween Havoc 98, WrestleMania 9, No Way Out 03. It would be, for me, it would be somewhere in that range, in the, about the 20 mark. I'll carry on going, though. Battle Bowl at 93. Callum, that got all the way down to number 19. I see. I, I I think I I became I I got you guys to be to to, to jump on the battle bull ninety three truth or shit. <laughs> eighteen Royal Rumble ninety six WrestleMania sixteen Slamboree ninety three WrestleMania right, stop, stop Rumble ninety six yeah. it's definitely better than that. <laughs> so, right, so Rumble ninety six is our number eighteen show. So Callum, I think you have to be fair. Is this show better than Battle Bowl? Battle Bowl was reasonably solid the whole way through. It had no standout matches. It didn't really have anything that was as bad as the casket match of the main event. Mm. However, SummerSlam it 95 has... It, it didn't have anything as good as the ladder match. Yeah. So what, does that, what would that put it in between... Royal Rumble, no. Battle Bowl '93, and No Way Out. So if we're if we're saying yeah, if we're saying so, we're saying it's better than Battle Bowl. No then Way no Out, way out is, is No Way Out is better than you would think. Then. <laughs> I yeah, uh, I, I remember No Way Out '03 being quite good. Mm. I think yeah, good. I'm happy. I'm happy with it going in there. Ah uh, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah. I think that's probably fair in there. Because uh, um, No Way Out of 3 has Hardy, Jericho, and then that was really good. Hardy Kidman's really good. And then that uh, handicap match. The handicap's was... quite good, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that, so. that five, the five-man tag's a banger, yeah. I, I honestly think we probably should have ranked that higher than we did, but uh, I'll I'll save that for another day. But I, I think it could be wedged between those two. I think that's yeah. the best spot for it. To be fair, we've only got we've only got well now we've only got one two three. There's only seven shows that be, that's better than it. To be fair, mm. on our list, and somehow somehow one of those is WrestleMania nine. I I still don't know how that is that how that's got there, but hey ho, it's nostalgia, man. <laughs> that is true. That, that that's exactly what it is. And I I'm just I just wish to point out that again you're firmly you're both firmly on. The truth are trained for Battle Bowl ninety three because the only differentiator <laughs> between Battle Bowl ninety three and SummerSlam ninety five was an all time classic match. Mm. Uh, you, you could burn me on that on that pod. I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. 
that is the that is it for the awards. Uh, Callum, while you're here, is there anything that you'd like to plug? Um, yes, uh, you mentioned earlier on. We've got the the, the brand new Starflation podcast where we um, adjust uh, Dave Meltzer's five star matches for Starflation. Uh, now based on the new seven star scale, um, we've got NWA Crock and Roll. Uh, your episodes covering. Uh, your ep- your next couple of episodes um, after you hear this will be hosted by yours truly as Sean is, um, has been sailing the seven seas. Um, we've got the, the uh, special relations, which is due a, a mega comeback that um, I'm, I'm looking forward to. Um, <laughs> and if you could um, please continue your support for all um, streaming uh platforms twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation place to be nation all one word on youtube uh, facebook.com forward slash ptbn live and at ptbn youtube on twitter excellent and same question to you logan anything you would like to plug while you're here um highway to the impact zone as always uh we're building towards bound for glory uh yeah, on the at the current date, uh, we are building to the bound, uh, the first ever Bound for Glory. I think probably by the time this comes out, that one will be close to coming out, or it would have just come out. Um, so we'll we'll be around or at Bound for Glory by the time this pod comes out. So uh, definitely keep listening to that. Uh, it's always a fun show to do. So um, popcorn, chicken salad. Uh, we were supposed to record that earlier this week, but we had to postpone it to next week. Um, uh, so we'll have another episode of that coming up. Um, and uh, you mentioned the Dangerous Alliance earlier. Uh, me, Mr. Kid, uh, Mr. Shiflet, and Mr. Souza might have something uh, pod-wise to go along with that uh, storyline. So I'll just leave that teaser there. Excellent, excellent. And I'll make it quite clear that I love the Dangerous Alliance. So before anybody any different. <laughs> I will say about Highway, when we get to it, I'm on the next episode, and uh, we are going to be doing the Team 3D Funeral, which might be my favourite uh, non-Scott Stein-related uh, TNA skit. So, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very much looking forward to that. And as well as on Popcorn Chicken Salad, uh, for once we have picked the film in relatively quick time, and being as it's going to be the August episode, it will be a summer blockbuster. And I'll just leave it that as the soft piece. Um, so, for Calumet Google and Lone Brooklyn, I'm Ben Mark, and remember everybody, in a world where you can be anything you want to be, be kind. Thank you so much for listening to Chicken Salad, and we will see you again next month.